you're really going to hate this intro. Oh, no. Welcome to the Church Plus Coffee with Friends podcast. This is episode five, and really excited to be here with my friend today, Joseph Cathcart. I don't see why this intro is so bad. On October the 10th, 2019. I hate this intro. We're really glad you're here with us today, (laughs) and we hope that wherever you are, whatever you're doing today, on this beautiful Thursday, that you can grab a cup of coffee and or tea, if you're a tea drinker, and relax with us a little bit as we talk about life, church, Christianity, and we really enjoyed all the feedback that we got from the episode last week about Japan. Thank you for praying for us here, and pray for Japan. Don't forget about us. This isn't, this is not a podcast per se about missions or japan but something we like to talk about every now and then obviously so i do have a cup of coffee here that i'm slowly consuming because i am a slow coffee consumer you do drink joseph knows you like to sip on it throughout the day right i like people probably think i'm exaggerating but there's many times where i go 10 hours and sip the same cup of coffee and wow one of the reasons why I enjoy hot coffee, because I don't mind so much when it becomes cool. Yeah. And I still enjoy it. Whereas if you have iced coffee, then of course the ice melts and it's not as good after so a while. So when it's Laodicean, when it's lukewarm, do you still like it? Or do you like it only hot or cold? Because God, our creator, apparently does not like lukewarm. Right. I would say it's like the church at Corinth. Okay. They have a zeal or the but a full body or the church of Crete or maybe even Jerusalem on Sundays. I would call it the church of Arabia or Arabica so the, is the safest way to go. The Muslims. No, the church, which is there. Paul went down into Arabia. Saul did. Came back. Paul. Oh, I see. Yeah. How hey. long was he down there? The three years. I was talking to someone about it the other day. I think he was down there for three years. Got his training. Is this a friend? No, Paul. Oh, that that Paul. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. There's a lot of Pauls out there. I thought it was a pretty good joke. Arabica, Arabia. Well, it's not really a joke because most coffee comes from Arabia. Is that why it's called Arabica? I mean, coffee was invented in in the Arab world. Really? Just like math was. Math? Or our our modern day math. Oh, okay. The numerals we use are Arabic numerals. Just like turbans were? Anyways, yeah, I'm sure a lot of good things came out of Arabia. Yeah, yeah. And so we're sipping on this cup of coffee, and Joseph brewed it for us this morning. Yeah. And so why don't you can tell I, them about the methodology? Yeah, can I give like a little how-to real quick on French press? Yes, please. I, French press is my favorite way to have coffee, but you, you, you really can't do it wrong. If you do it wrong, it just won't taste good at all. And so what you want to do is heat up your water get it to boiling and then you don't want it to be boiling you want it to be about 200 degrees and so what i do is we don't have like a smart water boiler some of those machines will do it to the perfect temperature for you ours isn't smart so at the coffee shop i have a smart one that's nice but i just boil the water and then i add a little bit of cold water into it just you know a splash of cold water so it's under boiling because you don't want to scald your beans you grind your beans up kind of coarse but not too coarse and then you Pour the water in quickly, as much water as you're going to use, and then that's when you don't do anything. You don't touch it, and you'll get the bloom, which if you've never seen a bloom, 
You should stop what you're doing right now. Go get some coffee beans and then watch the bloom. It's one of the most pretty things in the world. There's colors. There's rainbows. Um, so one of the reasons you want the bloom, right, is you want the the gases and the oils to sort of be released in the beans. Right, yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't know the science of it exactly, but it's beautiful. It smells good. There's music in the air when it happens. And after you let it bloom for about 45 seconds, and after 40 seconds, 45 seconds, you take your wooden spoon or whatever, and you stir it up real well and put your cap on it and let it sit for another three minutes, 15 seconds or so. So perfect brew time for a French press is four minutes total, but that includes the bloom in there. And if you do it that way, before you press it down, I think you'll really enjoy your coffee. Yeah, I like the French press. It's nice and bold, and I like it even more during the fall season. It's kind of a good thing to go with cold weather. Warms up your insides, too. When we are... When we, uh, Whitney and I, were on our honeymoon in Scotland and Ireland, because, I mean, best wife ever who lets, you know, who lets me pick Scotland and Ireland over Hawaii, but every cafe that we went to and every uh, bed and breakfast that we stayed at, they served French press coffee. It's just kind of a nice thing to press that down when it's chilly in the morning. My boys love doing it. They take turns pressing it down every day. Yeah. It's definitely the best part about doing the French press. So, Like one of those nerdy homeschooler family traditions. Yeah. Like, hey, can I press it down today? It's kind yeah. of like I was at my friend's house one time when I was a little kid. And his mom got off the phone and said, Dad's bringing a surprise home tonight. And he's like, Chicago-style pizza. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I don't even know don't. what we're talking about here. <laughs> can we go back? <laughs> anyway, just I'm sorry. I was kind of making full of, you know. Now I really want to go back. Can we go back? We can't go back. We have to go back, Kate. You're mean. You have to go back. You're mean to me. I'm lost. Just okay. trying to make light of, you know, homemade pizza, that kind of thing. Homemade pizza is a good thing. It's just when someone takes it too seriously and all the kids in that family get super excited about it. And then you're a guest at that family's house when everyone else is really excited about homemade pizza and you're not exactly that excited about it because it's not your homemade pizza. And homemade pizza itself is something that you don't really want to talk about much because pizza should be done out, not homemade as much. Right. You won't let me go back? I agree that pizza should not be homemade. That doesn't make sense. Stop recording and go back. He's not going to let me. So anyways, what's your, what's your favorite uh, season of the year? But, you know, I don't think I have one. Really? No. Like, do you prefer hot or cold months? I really like the change. So I look forward to the cold months. And then, of course, when it's cold, I look forward to the hot months. I look forward to the cold months, and I dread the hot months. And I think that fall is probably my favorite season. I love fall. I yeah. love fall. Because I, I feel like in spring, it's nice, too. Of course, there's flowers and, and that kind of thing. But... It feels like if you like to read books, that fall is a much better season, and it's just crisp. It's cool. It's getting more cool. It's not getting more hot because I I just dread like the spring weather's nice, but I dread it getting hotter each and every day. Yeah, well, you grew up where it was really really hot, and I didn't. So the summers in Montana are really pleasant, and uh, but yeah, I guess when we're in Japan, I do kind of dread those hot months. Yeah, because it is it does get really hot here, so. Yeah. Do you have a favorite part about fall? 
thanks i mean besides thanksgiving and the colors on the tree Thanksgiving's kind of like borderline christmas kind of getting close to winter there oh man yeah if you're on the same time clock as all the grocery stores what i love about fall is just going outside and walking around in the nice cool air and seeing the 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 kids love to play in the leaves the crunch on the leaves the crunch freshly sharpened pencils of the new school year new books and the smell of all that paper and glue i love that yeah it's starting the school year too yeah that's a good one because it's just fun to get back into the swing of things and getting back on a normal schedule i like eating candy corn at in the fall i know you're a big candy corn fan right um i do i do enjoy the taste of it so we've got a nice let's let's do a candy corn review well, so this one doesn't have any white on the tip, and the white is actually my favorite part. Where'd you get this? Um, Target in America a couple of months ago. We brought it over with us, anticipating the fall season. So this one is is orange and black, which is kind of nice because it feels like it has less food coloring in it, even though it probably doesn't. Tastes like candy corn, right? That's exactly what it tastes like. Corn syrup and sugar. I mean, it is good. It's the taste of fall. Right. So, do you look forward to Halloween? No. No, I don't. You dressed up as Harry Potter last year. No, so. I did not. I did not. But one time, um, we had a harvest party at a church. I don't even know what I think about harvest parties now. I kind of think they're dumb. But I guess I can be cynical. Sorry for being cynical. But one time, I dressed up as the man in the yellow hat, and Augustus was about six months old. And uh, put him in a little monkey suit. So it's Curious George and the Man in the Yellow Hat. Good, That's uh, cool. Good pair costume. Did you? Do you have some good pictures of that? Yeah, I think so. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I do. That sounds like fun. Was that kind of embarrassing? No, no, I liked it. <laughs> Why would it be embarrassing? <laughs> you kind of embrace role playing, right? I. It's like acting is fun part-time actor yeah yeah we think we were watching our boys this morning and it seems like they've got acting in their future because they just love to do different sounds and they make up words and they're always acting when they're playing and they love that kind of thing so you're going to encourage them in that pursuit so watch out man they're going to take it over by storm if i don't get there first they're going to be like the new kendrick brothers no is that their name uh you know i have a friend who grew up with them Wow. Mm-hmm. And they used to make videos together when they were kids. Christine Lancet. She grew up with them. Close friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess now's a good time to say I don't really like their movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, you know, I think their movies get better and better every time, don't you? Um, yeah. I mean, it's if not, you're like tired see, it's or... Not their, it's not their movies. They do a really good job. The problem is it's hard to compare any budget film or christian film to a hollywood film because of the amount of money that goes into a hollywood film is like is like a hundred times as much even if a christian film has like a four million dollar budget that's a lot of money to us but to a hollywood film that's like nothing there there is so much that goes into a you know a blockbuster type there's a quote that says we don't need more christian movies we need more Christians making great movies. And to me, Christian, 
there's of course there's good Christian movies out there. I like Fireproof. That's probably my favorite one of the bunch that they've done. Mm-hmm. But it just feels like they're preaching to you. And there are some low budget Hollywood movies that are done really well. And I think what you have to focus on first is the artistry. And then if you have a message to fit into that, then you could do that. But sometimes the focus the focus is on the message and not the artistry. A great example of that is the Chronicles of Narnia and that whole series. And yeah, there's been some movies from that, but just the story in general, it's a story that's just great on its own. And if you're looking for a message or you want to have a message given to you, there's a message to be gleaned from that. But it's not just about the message, it's about the story. And there's a lot of Christians who, or sorry, I should say there's a lot of non-Christians who read those books, watch those movies, and they never saw those messages in there. Hmm. Anyways, food for thought. You get what you want. Right. And speaking of movies, uh, we always like to give maybe a few movie recommendations if possible. And Joseph, did you have any movie recommendations this week? Um, you know, fall usually gets us in the mood for watching a movie again. And so we watched an old favorite Little Dorrit. Have you ever seen that yet? Have you ever watched the well, whole thing? You've told you've told us about it for two years. You have got to watch it, if we, not longer. We started watching it, and within ten minutes of the first episode, couldn't remember anything that happened in the whole movie, and just watched the whole thing again. Even though we've so, seen it probably five times, we watched uh, the first two episodes last night for the first time. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Great. It was interesting. Do you like it? I know some of the the angles are kind of weird. Like it was at this time when BBC was like experimenting with some new camera but the angles. Movie, and the stuff. show's not that old, but because of the camera work in it, it's really dated. It's like fifteen years old. It's like two thousand nine. Is, is it that new? It? I think it's two thousand nine. Okay. Um. So it's ten years old. Okay. I mean, it's not that. What I'm saying is, it's not that old. But the camera angles in it were kind of strange. I know they're I know they're a little weird, but and there are a couple things like that. But overall, the acting in the movie is really good. Of course, the story's great because it's Charles Dickens, and it's it's a redemptive good story. Well, I don't know. And our boys have been watching it with us and loving it. I don't know anything about the story because I haven't seen the whole thing. You've got it. You've got. I've just the seen thing. the first parts, but I fell asleep. Whitney finished watching it last night. But I've never, I'm not really a fan of any of Charles Dickens stuff. What? Because, because it's all of it has this grimy, dark feeling to it. That's because he's writing true to the era of the time that he was writing in. in and, then, and then he has he makes up all these names that are not re- really realistic names, and so they're kind of hard for me to relate. Yeah, to. Yeah, but they, it's so great because the names always describe the people, like Mister Meagles or Mister Panks. Or, or, uh, what's Snigglewitch? No, what's his name? Snivel. Picklewitch. Right. So it makes me feel like I'm just watching this like cartoon version of reality because it's, it, to me, it's hard to relate to because it's dark, it's a grimy. But it's like a satire on real life and what life was like back then. I mean, it's Dickens. I guess you have to look at it as a satire. Maybe that's the good. Maybe I mean, that's maybe, the best way know, to look at it. Satire is probably not the best word for it. Um, I just remember my mom heard someone who had who had never read Dickens, and she said, "Oh, I envy you because you have so much to look forward to." 
like my mom's favorite books are Dickens. He's just a brilliant writer. Like, and to have to be able to invent that many characters is fascinating. I mean, I mean every author and creates characters. But yeah. so my favorite story is probably A Christmas Carol. But the only reason I watch it is because it's a good Christmas movie, so it's fun to watch. Yeah. But that movie, the part I don't like about that movie is how dark it is. Yeah. Yeah. All of his stuff is dark. You're right. So but, what, know, did he have like an emo side to him? Well, no, he's just writing true to the era. Did he grow up like kind of poor and like have a weird background or something? Yeah, I think so. I think he drew off of that kind of things. Those yeah. kind of things. It, like the other show that you've recommended to us by um, Charles Dickens is Bleak House. Yeah. That's and excellent. that one is very similar to Little Dorrit. But I thought that Little Dorrit might be a little bit different because you were saying that it's really like cheerful and bright. Yeah, but I was so so I was kind of surprised at how similar it is to Bleak House. Yeah, it is, and similar to Our Mutual Friend as well, which is also by him. And you know, the BBC did all of those miniseries, so Little Dorrit is probably eight episodes long, so it's about six hours, I think. But oh man, I just love it. The story, just and the mystery, and the depth, and the characters, and the feeling. Have you seen the part yet where where John Chivalry? expresses his love to little dorrit spoiler alert oh man now i don't need to watch it i jump off that there bridge if it gave you a moment's joy oh man one time i know i'm just being very negative about this yeah you are for me i have to be honest that i don't like those that those east i don't like east end london accents it just turns me off so if you're listening from the east end of london and rochester no, see, that voice is great. That voice is great. But I don't like the dirty, grimy, like, My Fair Lady, Audrey Hepburn, before she gets refined. Yeah, but there's a whole, I mean, you know, there's just a whole people group out yeah. there. Hey, that's great. I just, just, you're not my favorite. I would not have wanted to live in that time era in the city. Would be a terrible place That's why I find it hard to, like, sit there with a cup of tea and enjoy. And enjoy it. Like you can Pride and Prejudice, where you could be like, Okay, I can kind of imagine how I might want to live in this world. Right, yeah. Well, okay. It's just a I different style, but maybe people listen to Dickens because they like the mystery. Maybe that's the reason they're, they're well, reading him. Keep watching because maybe as you watch this film, they will come out of that poverty. I'm not spoiling alert or anything like that, but maybe that will happen. Well, I'm sure. And you'll see something incredible. Okay. So that's my movie recommendation. Um, have you guys, just on that movie recommendation, have you guys ever read any of the books? Any of his books? No, I've never read Dickens, but Whitney has, and she loves it. And my mom has read them all, and my sisters. I feel like you have to have... It kind of tells me something about people that like Dickens, not in a bad way. To me, it just shows that they have like a little bit of a mischievous thing about them, and they little like... Dark creepy stuff a little bit it's not like edgar Allan poe it's not that bad but i mean yeah it's a little bit raw real like i wouldn't say it's not as dark as like withering heights yeah it's not that dark but it just has this like griminess to it that is kind of strange But you like weathering heights right yeah i love that movie okay but i feel love dickens and i've never read dickens so i can't just say like i don't like it but i just the phraseology and the way they talk in Dickens is not my favorite. I just prefer the more refined Pride and Prejudice prose. Okay. 
But I'm not saying... He likes it clean cut. I like it clean. I don't like the dirty, grimy London that doesn't intrigue me. But what if you would have been born into the poverty of the dirty, grimy London? But I wasn't. Okay, so you were born in the aristocracy. I like to imagine myself so, as an aristocrat. Naturally, the aristocrats... I'd rather be an aristocrat than this street rat. Well, naturally, you wouldn't want to put yourself down into poverty. But what if you came from that? Then you would want to appreciate it. You would want other people to appreciate it. And so, then you would want to take your torches so and pitchforks and go bang down the castles of the rich people. So you're saying that this story, Dickens, is for paupers, not for princes. It's for both. I like if you grew up in a poor background, I could totally relate to that. And maybe it is written for the common man. Maybe that's why he's popular. It's kind of like because it's written to the common man. It's kind of like Far and Away with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. He says to her, you know, she's rich and he's poor. He comes from a poor background. I've never seen this. She comes from rich. Are you serious? This is my movie recommendation for next week then. He says, Shannon, these people are my kind of people. And my kind of people do not like your kind of because she's she's like rich and doesn't like anything dirty, and all of his people are but getting me, into fist fights and to bars me it's and not stuff. to me it doesn't have to do anything with rich or poor. I think like in Pride and Prejudice that family is considered poor, but they live this clean wholesome lifestyle. Well, they're poor-ish, but he's still a gentleman, so they still have land. They just don't have as much. They still have a house. They're the house of uh, Bennett, but they don't have as much land as. You know, and then there were people underneath them, of course, that would just be tenants and farmers who would have no money. So they're at the lower end of the upper scale. I can see the need for both. If you're a common man, if you're on the poor, you need like something that you can relate to. But at the same time, a book like uh, Jane Austen or something, it Mm -hmm. gives you something to aspire to. It's like a goal something to lift your vision up to it's Pull not, yourself out of yeah it's yeah. not like this but that's you thinking american style because in england and in japan people don't aspire to things exactly you're born into your station in life and you stay there well and it's an american concept it's to not be that able I'm, to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get successful no i'm saying you're content in your lifestyle but it gives you it's like this thing to look up to yeah, it's like how people look at the queen today. They know they're not going to be the queen, but it's this ideal I to look up to. I follow. So, so you don't look up to like um, the Frenchman killer, the what in Little Dorrit? Um, not, I guess not. <laughs> I mean, I've only watched like one episode, so I'm not even sure who that okay. is. But um, still recommend it. You'll love it. You'll love finishing it, and anyone out there would love to watch it. Excellent. Okay, but can you be honest? Yeah. About what? Uh, do you did you like that one better or Bleak House better? When I don't have them both in front of me, it's hard for me to decide uh, and not get them mixed up because, like you said, they are really similar. Okay. I would probably say that I like Little Dorrit more, as far as cinematography. Bleak House, I think they did a better job, but story-wise. I might like the story of Little Dorrit more. Yeah. I like I like the actors and actresses in Little Dorrit so far. So that's kind of what's keeping me in. Because right now, I'm through two episodes and I'm kind of like, okay, we get it. There's this creepy mystery. Let's either solve it or let's move on to something else. <laughs> take your time. Take your time. Go through. 
You'll love it. All right. So Joseph's recommendation. That's a mini series, eight part mini series, Little Dorrit. And I don't really have a movie recommendation except for I watched a movie that Joseph recommended to me. And I mean, not, not Joseph, but something the world's been recommending for ever. And that is the Godfather. Oh, I yes. finally watched it. Yes. Finally watched it. Great movie. Very good. But Joseph did not warn me I'm that. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. But Michael. Michael. <laughs> so Joseph did not warn me that there was some questionable content in there. If I would have told you about it, I would have warned you because I would have said, you did watch tell, it. You did tell me about it. Only with VidAngel. It's a great filtering service. You can look it up online. It yeah. filters out whatever you want. But I'd rather just watch the movie as is or not at all. No, just use VidAngel filtering service. That's the way if you want to be able to watch a movie and if you don't want to watch a movie. So The Godfather, when I was growing up, we we're uh, pastor's family, missionary family. Anytime there was something um, like that, maybe us kids didn't you know want to do like like a wedding or a funeral again or something like that or something that we didn't really exactly want to be at my dad would always look at us and say this is the business we have chosen which is great it's from the godfather so did he do the accent uh yeah a little bit but i think i you know took it to the extreme and i do the accent a lot yeah the movie was really good so thanks for the recommendation and yeah I haven't seen part two yet, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Yes, sometime. part two, the continuing legacy with Michael. I've heard that one's he almost becomes the new as good as the original. Yeah, but I really miss uh, Marlon Brando. Brando? Yeah, I think that's his name. You know, when to, when they made the movies, he actually had to stuff his lower lip full of tissue paper to get that look and that accent down. So it's just kind of a fun fact. But you miss seeing the Don Corleone, and it's hard to transfer that to michael his son but it does a good job at continuing the story right so anyways a couple movies we watched this week that were good um something that me and april have been noticing lately when we're watching tv like the news or just seeing something online we're seeing like these commonly used phrases and i'm someone who like i don't even like to say y'all because I don't want people to like put me in this certain box. Mm-hmm. And so I'm when I lower East end, when I hear commonly common used phrases, it kind of drives me crazy. And I know we all have similar words. We use all the time in syntax that we use. It's, you know, our vocabulary is not that big, but it's been driving me crazy. I want to see if you've heard these words recently. And I hear this all the time. I hear it in church messages everywhere. And it's, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if you're not going to be honest with me all the time, then please don't talk to me. Or to tell you the truth. Yeah. Like, that phrase has been around forever. Or to be perfectly honest with you. If you're really serious, they'll be like, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I really like coffee. And it's like this <laughs> stupid thing that... You could just say, I really like coffee. Yeah. Yeah. And I would much prefer that you're just perfectly honest with me all the time. Phraseology and the ruination of words. I know exactly what you mean. And Whitney f- and I talk about that all the time. And the funny thing about it is if you say to be perfectly honest with you, I actually get the opposite vibe that you're not being honest. Right. Because why would you need to say that? Right. So I have the feeling that what you're saying is not really true. 
Yeah, we always laugh about that. To tell you the truth, we always think like, what if someone said, well, to tell you a flat out lie, I don't like what you do. Yeah. I would. Well, if someone said, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. I don't like you, then that would be great. Let's celebrate that. <laughs> but don't say, to be honest with you, like... James yeah. is my favorite book of the Bible. Well, who who cares? <laughs> just be honest. Like, just stop saying that. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I know all of us out there have it's said it. And if habit. you're listening, you've probably said it too. But think, make sure you use. We should probably start a club. Your words with purpose and not just come out of say that. what you think is cool. Yeah, you know, we could get matching T-shirts or something that we've come out of that bad phraseology. Yeah, segment of life. The other one that we've heard a lot of recently, and I don't know if you've heard this, is quid pro quo. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? <laughs> quid pro quo. I have no idea what you just said. So you could be like, hey, I went to the street market and I bought something and they gave me something and I gave them something. It was a quid pro quo kind of thing. Can you slow that down okay. for me? <laughs> so let me give you the definition of okay. quid pro quo. Quid pro Quid pro quo. So if you keep an ear out, you'll hear this everywhere because everybody's saying it right now. And it means a favor or advantage granted in return for something. It means in Latin, which is what it comes from, something for something. And you'll hear this phrase all the time. And it's really driving me and April crazy. Have you heard that before? Never. It's been around for a really long time, but quid pro quo. So, for instance, people are criticizing, and this isn't the only reason they're talking about it, but it just gave people another excuse to use it, is Trump was talking to the president of Ukraine and was wanting them to investigate Joe Biden. This is all, we don't know if this is true or not, but so the idea is that Trump wanted a quid pro quo. You do something for me, and I'll do something for you. Okay. And so there's this quid pro quo thing going. But so, what's funny about it is just like you're saying. You don't most, call it just give it take? Yeah. Okay. Like most people that are hearing it, they probably don't even know what it means. And I some am, people that are using it probably don't even know what it means. I have never, ever heard that. And I don't know if I ever will. I guarantee you by the time we do the next podcast, you're going to come back and There's say no that way. you heard it somewhere. It's probably one of those aristocratic words that people in your level would talk about. And then people down on my commoner, like plebeian level, would never say. I just had to throw in the word plebeian because we were watching Little Dorrit and heard that word. And we're like, oh, got to use that word. It just means commoner. But I prefer to say plebeian instead of plebeian. Yeah. Because you don't sound like a real plebeian if you say plebeian. Yeah. But guess i'll look out for that word right see if anyone in my circle says it yeah yeah you keep an ear out because we've been hearing it like crazy this is like such a rounded conversation you and me you over there and me over here and so great to meet in the middle yeah it's you know it's kind of almost lunchtime and i don't know what we're gonna do for lunch i don't know if we're gonna get lunch together or what we're gonna do but something that we eat a lot in japan is sushi obviously sushi comes from japan you know if you go to a sushi place in america it'll probably be called like arigato sushi or something silly like that which means thank you sushi or Um, genki there's genki in america genki yeah just means like genki sushi healthy that yeah there's a place called genki wow yeah or it'll be called like tokyo sushi or 
something like that. Mm-hmm. We have a um, Nagoya steakhouse in Helena. Right. There's a bunch of different styles of sushi. So one way is you can go the old style where they kind of make it in front of you and it's really fresh and good. You can also even get it in the convenience store. Mm-hmm. But the most popular way to get it is conveyor belt sushi, mm-hmm. also no, known as kaiten sushi. And so we, as our family, April and our kids, Abigail, Elizabeth, and Robert, we like to go there sometimes. And it's fun because it's literally the sushi is on what would be like a conveyor belt, and it goes around the restaurant on this belt, and you can just take off what you want to try as it comes around. Yeah, it's all on little plates. You just grab whatever plate you want. And it's usually like a dollar per sushi. Yeah, no, it's like a dollar per plate, and it's usually two pieces of sushi on the plate. Okay, so it's a really affordable place that families can go to. It's a casual atmosphere. Right, easy with kids. It's usually really loud. Mm -hmm. And everyone can kind of, you can kind of get what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are you a wasabi fan? Yeah, I love wasabi. Oh my word, we just went to a wasabi farm the other day. That was fantastic. Tell tell us about it real quick. Well, it was when our guests were here and we went up to uh, Nagano, Ken, and I guess wasabi, most wasabi that people eat around the world is really just horseradish flavored like wasabi because real wasabi is quite expensive. It's a root that's found in, in the shade and we were uses a lot of water. There's a lot of water in there. What I mean is the plant, the root in order to grow needs a lot of shade and a, and a lot of water. Anyway, we were there and this is one of the very few places in the world that actually produces real uh, wasabi and it's delicious wow yeah so we had some fresh wasabi grated up had a little grater so was it some. as potent as the horseradish it's actually a little bit less so so you needed more wasabi um a little bit more to make it go as far but really fresh and good i love wasabi to me that's the best part about sushi mm-hmm. yeah um so usually We'll get some wasabi, and then what else will you put in there? Like maybe a little bit of soy sauce or vinegar, and they have this like sweet stuff that you can put on it too, Mm -hmm. kind of a variety of sauces. So you kind of make your little sauce dish and then dip your sushi into it. Um, Offhand, do you have a favorite sushi that you like? But, you know, it's been a while since I've gone, but there is a salmon with like avocado on top and maybe even just that, like a slice of raw onion. Is and it I think raw that's really good. or cooked? Yeah, that's raw. And that's really the only raw fish that I care that much for is the right. raw salmon. It's amazing how good that raw fish can actually be. Yeah, it is good. What I would really like to do someday is go to a really fresh sushi place. Yeah. While we're while we're in Japan, I would like to. Have you ever seen the documentary Jito Dreams of Sushi? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's, it looks incredible. Of yeah. course, that's ridiculous prices, but yeah. But I'm sure there are a lot of places like that, and I would like to go on to one right. sometime. Yeah. My kids love at the conveyor belt sushi place to get the egg sushi. Yeah. That's kind of something that kids like. Augustus loves that also. And there's a couple of other good ones. but Or the Inari, the sweet one. Right. Yeah, yeah that one's really good. The little mm-hmm. it's, That's the one that's the little pouch, and it's got rice in it, and it's kind of sweet. It's made out of tofu. Mm-hmm. It's very good. But, you know, thinking about sushi and going to get sushi and you kind of choose what you want you leave what you don't like and i thought that was kind of an interesting illustration for christianity and that some people i don't know how you feel they come to god and they want the good things from god but there's some things or responsibilities that they don't want from god 
And so people, they, they kind of go to God and they see, okay, well, I can take what I want and I can leave what I don't like. Um, I think they don't want to be challenged. I think the mic has just dropped. You could have just dropped the mic on that. The end. Yeah. Because, because of the analogy, you like brought everyone in with the sushi thing. And then it's like, but you, not them listening, but someone may do that with Christianity. And then you could just drop the mic. Yes. Mic drop. (sighs) Yeah. So, but so many, so many Christians, they, you know, they just want to be comfortable. They don't want to do anything that really stretches their faith or makes them okay. Do so just anything. like picking and choosing what's going by, right. leaving so like, the leaving the fish eggs because those look unappetizing, and waiting till the sweet thing look comes by. Gooey and weird. Good. They're probably great. They're okay. Kind of things that we should try. So how would someone do that in Christianity then? So well, let me ask you. Like, okay. what what are some things that God says that we don't like to do. Is, uh, does anything come to mind? Yeah, love our neighbor. Love our neighbor is a good one. Bowels of mercies or well, kindnesses. Every, everyone would say, "I love my neighbor." Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I see. Okay, but, okay. But the Bible says to okay. Church teaching is a big one. Um, forbearing with one another. We don't forbear with one another very much because we don't like to. We like prefer to split up a church over it. Right. Right. We prefer ourselves. And our mm-hmm. way, we don't want to be patient with other people. Right. You know, we're happy when God blesses us, but when God tells us to consider our neighbor, to consider someone in church, that's a little bit more difficult for us to do. And I think some of us as Christians, without even realizing it, we totally leave that on the plate and we don't think it's something that's required of us at all. Right. Or giving to people, giving to the poor. Right. Caring for other people in the church. Or or what is it when he says, uh, when someone is suffering, and you consider yourself as like suffering with them. Right. Consider it like it's happening to you. Yeah. Okay. So I think there's by and large, we don't want to do that. I think there's one, you know, there's many things that we know are good as Christians and we know that maybe we should do them, but we don't like to do it. We just like to receive from God. We don't like to do something that's required of us. We like to make him our savior, someone who saves us, but not someone who's, our Lord who's over our life, Mm. directing us, commanding us, telling us what to do. Because when you think of the word Lord, that, that is almost like a general. It's someone it's you're subservient to that. He has the authority to tell you to do something, whether you like it or not. And sometimes we don't always think of God in that way. But I think that one big thing that Christians in general have a really hard time with and they don't want to do this, and they just want something good from God, is they don't want to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And that could be in their home, in their neighborhood, in their town that they're from, or that could be around the world. And it's a huge responsibility that God has given to the people in the church. And even as Christians, sometimes we're hesitant to do that, or we think, well, I don't have to do that. The pastor can do that, or someone else can do that, but why do I have to get uncomfortable right yeah i think mostly there's a a fear with people to of course you don't want to go out as much but then there's also a fear to to preach the gospel because you don't know what people are going to think about you they don't you don't want to be rejected and which to me is why you see paul and other new testament authors when they making a prayer request they're saying pray that we would have boldness to preach the gospel right and so yeah i can see what you're saying with uh 
don't want to do that. Kind of leave that off the leave that yeah. on the conveyor belt. Let it go by. I mean, it's really uncomfortable to get that gross, nasty looking sushi. But sometimes you just gotta you just gotta go for it. And that's what God's telling us to do. Like you don't be afraid to do what God's telling you to do. So God does not operate a conveyor belt sushi restaurant. He operates a multi-course meal that we get to partake in. Is that what you're saying? Right. Like okay. he's serving us with the options. We don't get to pick and choose right. uh, what we want. Uh, so for instance, an example of people sort of picking and choosing what they like, which is fine for some circumstances as Americans. We like to have choice. We like to have options. But, you know, a lot of times on, on Pinterest or Facebook, you'll see like these verses that people share. And they always share like the really fluffy verses like oh, yeah. uh, Proverbs 3, 5, which says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. No, no, I don't think I've ever heard that one before. And so it's a great verse that people like to think about in their devotional time and get all cozy with Jesus and <laughs> get that warm feeling inside. Yeah. Uh, but then Paul says in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, he says to join me in suffering. Like We don't see people sharing that on Facebook very much. Yeah, that's true. And that's an important. That's just as important as trust. This in is the a good Lord reminder for heart. me to never share a Bible verse on Facebook because someone might bring it up in a podcast <laughs> and exactly. throw me under. No, I. Yeah, you're right. We have a tendency to latch on to the things that make us feel good, right? And keep those at the forefront and the center. I think too, though, that um, you're totally right to. We have to focus on the whole Bible, but I also think that the Lord is is bringing us through, and He is building up our faith. So I don't think that we're supposed to go out and like look for suffering necessarily. So Paul says, "Join me in my suffering." We're supposed to be faithful with the gospel to to preach it, and then God is going to bring things in our life, and He's going to allow things at least in our life that we would consider suffering or trials. But He's using those things to build up our faith and. We're not the ones like trying to muster up and well, I build think our what faith, you're saying but is he's doing it. We're not exactly. We're not trying to build our faith. This is something that I think as Christians, suffering may happen in our life, and it may not always be that God's trying to build your faith. It could just be suffering. Yeah, like Jesus says in Matthew 24, he says that you as Christians will be hated by everyone. Right. Yeah. And that's one of the promises that we have. It's not, and there could be times where he's using challenges to build us up. There's other times where he might be, it might just be because you're a Christian and because there's an antichrist spirit in the world and there are forces that are coming against you. Yeah. And yes, we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. That's a great thing to do. Um, and also there could be times where we're going through suffering and we trust in God during that time, but there may be a reason or there may not be. But as Christians, it's not always totally easy to follow Jesus. And we see this in Japan where people are sort of separated from their family in a way because they're not following the religion that their ancestors did. And there's kind of this tearing away and it's kind of awkward and there's kind of a, a feeling of rejection. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think one of the, things um just in regard to to trusting in god 
and him being the one to build our faith. Someone said it this way, and I really appreciated what they said, is that if God, um, so if I have a son and I tell my son, go wait by the barn for me, and I'm going to come down there in about 10 minutes, the longer he waits, the more I'm glorified. So if I don't show up in 10 minutes, if I say, go wait at the barn for me, and I don't show up, him staying there and waiting without asking questions, without coming back to try to find me, ask me what I'm doing, him staying there is glorifying me and that God does the same thing with us. So when we take him at his word and don't go beyond that, we just trust him. God told me to do this. I'm going to do this until he tells me to stop doing this or God told us to wait and tarry until he's going to come back. I'm going to wait. And the longer I wait and the harder it is for me to wait, the more God is glorified in all of that. That's maybe not exactly along with what you're saying, but that's something that I was thinking about this morning when I was driving in as well, and just how God is going to build our faith. And a lot of times that's going to be a hard process. It's not going to be this cushy, cozy, well, just trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's got to be really played out right. in, a, in a hard way. And a lot of times he's going to um, make it, more difficult in a way because there's more honor for him in in me trusting his word and waiting on him right yeah that's good you know something that you see in japan as christians we like to pick and choose it's natural we all do it from time to time we take the things we like in japan we've seen from time to time where people will take from different religions and they'll kind of add the best things so People will have no problem going to a Christmas service on December 25th, but then on January 1st, they go to the Shinto uh, mm-hmm. right. temple and they, or the Buddhist temple and they pay their respects to, to that as well. And people think that they can just take little pieces here and there, but that's not the way that Christianity works. Right, yeah. Whitney's family used to say, you know, people always say that's here's another word cliche that people always say is it's all good. They always used to just say like, no, it's not all good. You can't say that it's all good because it's not all good. There's bad out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't say it's all good. Right. I think that comes from a misconception of what Jesus is, especially, you know, the God of the Old Testament people will see as this like fierce, strong god but people envision jesus as meek and if you read the new testament that caricature is not true uh there's some times where he shows meekness and there's some times where he shows uh fierceness and strength and where he tells the person go and sin no more and he flips over tables in the temple and there's times where jesus says i am the way the truth and the life no one can come to god except through me very 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 direct uh, and clear in his statements And I think some people in this country and even in America, we like to think, well, Jesus was this great teacher. Like he just sat on the hill and like gave people food. And he was this great like spiritual figure that someone from any religion could follow. But if you read the words of Jesus, he himself would say that's not true. Right. Yeah. He would say, I'm the only way. I'm the exclusive way to God. Yes. Exclusivity is the, is the way I know that in J- in Japan, people have said like, there's only, um, there's many ways to the top of Mount Fuji and it's like the spiritual, yes, we can all get to the top of Mount Fuji. But basically what Jesus said, if you were to apply it in the same, uh, culture or context that he is 
Mount Fuji, you know? So what, what's the goal at the end? Heaven? Or is Jesus the goal at the end? So there may be many ways to the top of Mount Fuji, but, but if Jesus is the Mount Fuji, and that, maybe that sounds weird as I'm saying it. I'm just saying that he is the goal, and people get to him in different ways, but they have to go through him to get to God. He's the only door. You're right. Very right. exclusive. And I think there's there's a beauty in saying that I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to follow Jesus. And in your life, probably most of it will be good, especially if you come from America. You're going to have a good, you're going to have an easy life. But getting uncomfortable for Jesus, going to a friend that you're not comfortable talking to, uh, you know, realize that in this life there will be challenges, there will be difficult things to go through. But in the end, we can look to Jesus and all of his words are important. The whole Bible is important. And if we take it as a whole and don't say, well, the Old Testament, that was for those days. And well, Paul, he was writing to this church in this situation. Right. But all of God's word is effective and meaningful, and we need it as life-giving words to survive. Right. And he said, marvel not if the world hate you. So it's a it's a good reminder that in this world, most likely we will not be loved by everyone in the world. There's going to be some pushback. Ooh, I like this music. If you don't like the songs that we choose, Joseph's usually the one who chooses them. And I'm sure you like them all because they're all good. And you can send me hate mail because I love it. If you have any questions for us, feel free to send them on Facebook or email us. And we're really happy that you're here for the podcast. And we'll see you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week and make some French press coffee. All right. And get some sushi if you can. <laughs>